Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, a Teen Mom Deep Dive podcast. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hey everyone, hi, how are we? Welcome back to Feathers in My Hair. (laughs) Do I ever say that? I don't think I do. Anyway, hi, if you want to hear more from me, please go to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Liz Explains. This week's episode was on a doc that's on Hulu called Jacinta that was incredible. It was so good. It was, it is about um, this woman that has like a really severe substance abuse disorder, but so does her mom and her and her mom are in prison together. And she has a daughter that is also like heavily featured who's 11, who the whole thing is just like, it's really incredible. I wasn't expecting it to be so good. I loved it. It was really sad. But I honestly, even if you don't become a patron, go to Hulu if you're a Hulu member and watch Jacinta, J-A-C-I-N-T-A. It was it's so worth watching. It's it's just really, really good. Um, so I talked about that this week. Next week, which I'm actually recording tonight, I'm going to be doing the Selena Gomez documentary, which uh, if you know me, <laughs> if you're a patron or not, I have a lot of opinions on Selena Gomez in that I think that she has been kind of she is the best team in Hollywood. She has a history of abusing substances and a lot of drama, but is still able to be seen kind of as like America's sweetheart. And I've talked a lot about Demi Lovato on the Patreon. I've done both of their documentaries. And I always think about how like Demi has always been like the bad girl, the bad person. And Selena has gotten to be the good girl, even though their paths aren't like that different. And I just find like the PR around Selena to be really, really interesting. So I'm definitely excited to talk about this documentary and to talk about Selena Gomez. It just, I don't know. I, and I like Selena. It's not a negative thing about Selena. I like only murders in the building, only murders in the building, right? I thought the whole fucking first season that show was called Only murderers in the building. That's what I was calling it. That's what I thought it was called in my head. And then one of the final lines in the first season is like, "Uh there's only murders in the building. And I'm like, yeah, that's the name of the show. And then I went back and looked. Nope, it's not. I'm just a fucking idiot. So. (laughs) So yes, patreon.com slash Liz explains. I'm also doing a bunch of Sister Wives content. If you have ever watched Sister Wives, if you know the basic premise of the show Sister Wives. You got to get your eyes on this season. It is one of the best seasons of reality television. I know that sounds dramatic, but it is so fucking good. It's so it's so raw. They are basically all hand filming because they like don't have a film crew during the pandemic for whatever reason. They're the only reality TV show on TV that like couldn't film with a crew during the pandemic. Uh, But Christine has left Cody and it's just, (laughs) it's really, really good. Christine Brown, by the way, is like the nicest person in the world. A couple years ago, Maria, friend of the pod Maria, got me a cameo from her after, I think it was my first, either my first year, my first semester of grad school, I can't remember. And she was just like, oh, you know, tell Liz she did a good job at school and It was truly the nicest cameo ever. Like, it was so sweet. It was so thoughtful. 
And I have a friend that's going through it. She listens to this podcast. Hi, lovey. And I got Maria and I actually got her a cameo from Christine this week that made me cry, made her cry, made Maria cry. Like, (laughs) it was so fucking nice. (laughs) Like, truly, I, I just love Christine and watching her come into her own this season has been really incredible. So even once again, even if you don't become a patron, you should get your eyes on Sister Wives because if you watch Teen Mom, there's no way that you don't like Sister Wives. Like even if you've never watched Sister Wives, you don't know anything about Sister Wives. If you are still following the world of Teen Mom, you will like Sister Wives. That's just a guaranteed fact. I think I'm pretty good at observing like who likes what, right? And if you like Teen Mom, you like Sister Wives. I mean, nobody likes Teen Mom, but you know what I'm saying. (laughs) Anyway, what's going on in the Teen Mom world this week? I feel like not that much. Um, I did watch the last two episodes of the new Teen Mom season. I will report that I was fine watching the episodes. If you remember, I was a little nervous that if I took weeks off to watch the old episodes. I wouldn't want to watch the new episodes and recap them, which is kind of what happened with Team Mom Young and Pregnant last season. But I found these fine. I think watching them back to back definitely helps. This is not a good show. Um, I do think it will be getting another season will be my guess. Um, They're definitely going to do more Team Mom Family Reunion. Oh, and I want to get my eyes on Girls Night In because Janelle is on it. She's filming with Jade, Brie, and Brittany, which is really interesting to me because that means MTV is paying her. I know a lot of people were like pretty up in arms about Janelle being on um, on Teen Mom because it meant that she got paid. I wasn't totally sure if that was true, but she's definitely getting paid for Girls Night In. MTV is flying her to wherever they're recording. I'm kind of surprised David is letting her do this. I'm definitely, definitely surprised. I would assume this is teen, like this is MTV dipping their toe in the water for bringing Janelle back. I think they would kill to get Janelle on Family Reunion. Uh, I wasn't she invited to the first one, but she wouldn't agree to go without David. I think that if MTV can get Janelle to agree to film without David, uh, then she will definitely be on an upcoming Team Mom family reunion. Like, I don't think there's anything they want more than to do that. The only reason Janelle is off the show is because of David, right? That has always been the case. Obviously, him killing. I don't like to use the word murder when it comes to the dog. I don't think it's appropriate to use the word murder in the context of animals. Although, like, I mean, he killed that dog, like, in cold blood, right? Like... Murder does feel kind of appropriate for what he did there, but I I do think we should maybe leave the word murder to humans, right? Exclusively to humans. But obviously killing that dog is why it was like the final straw. But if you'll remember, like they had basically kicked her off before that because they couldn't film around David. They couldn't be in the same state as David. Their crew wouldn't go within 500 miles of David. So... That's why she's not on this show, because it was just too hard to film her. I also think that's why Farrah got fired the first time. Um, You know, 
they used the porn as like an excuse, but I don't think it was that. I think it was just that she was impossible to work with and terrible to the crew and the crew hated being around her. And so they found like an easy reason to fire her, which is the porn stuff. So if they could, and they brought Farrah back, right? Like if they could bring Janelle back, I think they would. I think they see that Janelle is, I don't know, popular is the right word, but doing well for lack of better words, I guess, on TikTok. She, here's the thing. I see people get enraged about her TikTok comments. And it is crazy when you look through them. If you have like a, a an eighth of knowledge, that doesn't make sense. I'm thinking in terms of weed, obviously, right? Like an eighth is like not a ton, but a little bit, but enough, more than a little. If you have an eighth of knowledge about Janelle. You know that she's a bad person objectively. Doesn't have shit to do with David. <laughs> doesn't have shit to do with Kiefer. Doesn't have shit to do with Barbara. Doesn't have shit to do with Cortland. Doesn't have shit to do with Nathan. Like Janelle on her own is a bad person. Full stop. She is an abusive bad person. But there are a lot of people who don't know that. Well, I think it's two things going on in her comments. One, a lot of people agree with Janelle's views. I think that's really important to remember. Uh, we have our little safe space here, right? We have our little we have our little safe space, which by the way, I had a tweet go. I saying something goes viral so stupid, but it got two million impressions. Whatever. I think it had like like fifteen hundred retweets before I put my account on private because I couldn't deal with it about the Kardashians. And it was just like, it's really weird that Kylie and Chloe put their daughters all over the internet, but don't show their sons, don't tell us their sons' names, and are like super protective of, protective of them. And it is weird. And it's all about money and exploitation. And this went viral for reasons I will never understand. I've never had a tweet go viral like that. Um, <laughs> and people were so fucking mad at me. Like, most of the people understood what I was saying, but people are like, you are a cunt. You think you're entitled to seeing those kids? You fucking Karen, dumb bitch. I locked my account so we would stop it once <clears throat> someone was going into other tweets of mine um, and, like, looking at pictures at me and calling me an ugly, dumb bitch Karen. No wonder I don't like the Kardashians or something, which is just so funny. And I was like... <gasps> Oh my God, I only like to talk to people who already understand my point of view, <laughs> which is like how I have formed this podcast, right? Like we are a safe space of understanding here on Feathers in My Hair. We have a community of like-minded individuals. We all get where we're coming from. When I say it's fucking weird that the Kardashians only seem to exploit their girl children and not their boy children, you all understand what I mean by that. <laughs> It was a real reminder of like, oh, I really only like talking to people who get it. Like the girls that get it, get it. And they're the only ones that I want to know. That was very, it was very funny. I unlocked my Twitter because thankfully after a couple days, it it obviously didn't go viral anymore. But <laughs> I like, I tweeted on Saturday night and I woke up on Sunday morning and was like, um, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> Very silly, very, very silly. But 
Oh, I was talking about. So we have a community of like-minded individuals, right? Like we're all on the same page about Janelle. Like we know Janelle is a bad person. We know Janelle has not changed. We know Janelle has not grown. We know if anything, Janelle has probably gotten worse since she was a teenager. However, a lot of people on TikTok haven't kept up with her. And so they, most of them probably don't know about the dog thing, to be honest, that are commenting on her stuff. They saw her mom screaming at her. They saw the first three seasons of Teen Mom. And now they see that what she appears on Twitter, like what, or excuse me, what she puts on TikTok, she's like happy-go-lucky. Her and David are happy-go-lucky. Everything is great. We love each other, blah, 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 blah. When we all know, like, that's not the reality. But if you aren't following Janelle and haven't been following Teen Mom, how would you know? You would just be like, oh, wow, like, I guess she is happy now. And then there's a whole subset of people that people in the comments could be like, well, she's homophobic, she's racist, she's sexist, she's every transphobic, she's every ist, right? She's every bad thing. They all fucking are too, right? Like, they all agree with that too. A lot of the things that I think makes Janelle an objectively bad person, which is she's abusive to others, she's abusive to children, she's racist, she's homophobic, she's transphobic, blah, blah, blah. A lot of people agree with that and act that way towards their children, act that way towards other people in their lives, and have those similar beliefs. So I think MTV clearly sees that she gets really high engagement on TikTok, all things considered, and they want her to come on. And so Janelle's, mark my word, Janelle's going to be on Family Reunion if they can get her to agree to film without David. That is the only thing I think her coming to film Girls Night in means that she obviously agreed to film without David, right? Or I think she's been agreeing to film without David, but I think the issue is she doesn't want him, like she wants him near set. And they're like, no, 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 because David's going to come murder us. (laughs) Oh, so yes, we'll see. I am going to watch some of Girls Night In. As I said before, I'm just not that interested in watching because I don't care about these episodes that they're watching. Like, I don't want to watch them watching bad OG episodes that I watched a year ago when they have hundreds of episodes from early Teen Mom that's like fun and funny and interesting. I did see a clip though. I guess they have, not I guess they do. They have the Teen Mom Young and Pregnant Girls all watching together, which is weird because they don't get along. They fight. (laughs) But there's a scene of Amber and Leah. They're like how Leah won't call. And Madison is like, Yeah, I mean, like, I didn't call my mom for years, like, same thing. And then they flash to Ashley watching with her family. And she's like, yeah, I mean, for years, I wouldn't pick up my dad's calls. Basically, I think everybody who has a parent with issues, like, understood Leah. But Kaya says something like, I, this is really sad. Amber's a good mom. And Rachel is like, what are you talking about? Amber's not a good mom. She beat the shit out of Gary on camera. (laughs) And Kaya's like, we can't judge that. We haven't seen it. And Rachel's like, no, we saw it. It was on TV. (laughs) And then they just start fighting with each other, which is a little much. I would rather, I don't want to see people fighting on Girls Night In. I would rather they just put like Brie, Team Mom Young and Pregnant Brie, uh, Kaya and Kayla in one group and Madison and Rachel in another group, if that's the way the divisions lie, because Girls Night In is not about fighting or drama. It's about people like laughing along and having insights with the show. So 
I guess I'm going to get eyes on it, even though I am morally against uh, watching newish episodes. I think people thought I would say Janelle there. I'm morally against Janelle. Here's the thing. Like, I'm not morally against Janelle being on the TV. I fucking watch Amber. (laughs) All of these people are bad. I don't think Janelle is inherently that much worse than a lot of the people that I watch across multiple reality television shows. I think Janelle's a very bad person. I don't think Janelle should be on Team Mom 2 again. But I'm not protesting something because Janelle's going to be on it. All right, let's take a really quick break. And then we'll talk about this week's episodes. Okay, let's start with Macy because we're on the topic of guns, right? And I mean, we weren't really, but we are kind of on the topic of guns because we were talking about David. And when it comes to David, guns are always relevant. So the timeline on this episode in general is a little confusing to me because we are in May, but we also seem to be in August because kids are starting school. So I don't really know where we are, but Macy's first episode is about Uvalde. That's how you say it, right? I realized I didn't know how to say that because I, I've i talked about this before. I mostly consume all of my media in print. I don't watch, like, I don't really watch the news physically and I don't listen to the news really. I re- I mean, I consider myself extremely informed. Like, right now I kind of know, like, exactly the votes that are happening in <laughs> the Nevada Senate race and the Arizona uh, governor race right now. Like I, I'm an informed person. I don't feel like I'm not an informed person, but I read everything. And so I was like, oh my God, how do you say Uvalde? Uvalde? Oh, I already messed it up. Okay. It's Uvalde. That like when I was watching this episode, I was like, I don't, I'm not sure I know how to pronounce that. Even though I've like read so much about it. Uh, It's really bad. But did you know this? This is a helpful hint. Almost every single word has a YouTube video on how to pronounce it. All you have to do is type that word and pronunciation and a YouTube video will come up that will tell you how to pronounce Uvalde. So thank God for that. I'm probably still saying it wrong. I apologize for being an idiot. Part of it is not to defend myself, but part of it also is my learning disability. I have a processing learning disability which means it's hard for me to connect um, words I'm hearing and reading together. I It's why I like, can't spell. And when I was a child and they'd be like, spell, sound the word out, I, I couldn't do that. And I still can't really do that. Um, sometimes if I like really slow myself down and really think about sounding it out, I can get a pretty good guess. But I... There are miscrossed wires in my brain that make it so that I, like, I I don't know how to explain it exactly, but, like, sounding things out, like, doesn't really work for me. (laughs) And the way that I spell things is basically purely through memorization. It's not through any sort of, like, oh, well, I know this has to be spelled this way because this is how you pronounce it. Like, it's not through anything like that. Um, I know that's kind of hard to explain, but, like, there are words that I will never be able to spell for my entire life, and there are words that I have only learned to spell because I've, like, sat down, like, license, restaurant, maintenance. Like, I know that sounds crazy, but I've just had to memorize how to spell them. I can't. I can't. I live in a town called Phoenixville. 
the word Phoenix is so hard for me because it's like the O before the E. That doesn't make any fucking sense to my mind. And so I just had to like memorize how to spell it. It's so bad. Anyway, enough about me, right? Uh, Whenever people are like, you talk about yourself too much on your podcast. I'm like, well, it's never going to change. So sorry about that. You better get used to it or stop listening. It's just it is what it is. That's why I have this podcast so I can talk about myself. Okay, so Uvalde is happening and Taylor and Macy are talking about it. Of, I mean, it's devastating. Of course, we all know we all cried. It's I like I, I don't want to talk about it too much actual shooting because it's just too fucking sad. And everything those fucking cops did. It, it's just disgusting and terrible and awful. Um, so basically, they're not sure about how to talk to their six and seven year old. This is more politics. I think. OK, I have decided the reason that Macy is getting featured this way as far as politics go is because she is so moderate, right? Like Macy is Southern. She is not outspoken on liberal issues particularly. And she's so like white toast. <laughs> like I she's I don't know how else to describe her, but she's so plain. And I think that she is, as far as MTV is concerned, kind of the perfect conduit for politics. I would say Kate probably also falls into this, who, by the way, Kate is the queen of politics when it comes to teen mom world. She's posting every fucking day about election stuff. She's posting every fucking day about Roe v. Wade stuff. She has been for quite a while. I really think the pandemic is when she, like became a lot more politically involved. But Girly has come a long way. I still personally would like to see her like directly apologize for the pro-life stuff. But she did say something um, about how like that was her choice to give the baby up for adoption, which is definitely true. But she's finally like acknowledging that was a choice. I don't know. I think she was like taken advantage of by those pro-life movements personally, because that's what they do. We'll actually get into that in this episode because they essentially talk about it. But I would like to see her and Tyler acknowledge like, wow, it's fucked up that we were paid to use our story to push a political movement. We didn't really understand because we were not informed on like anything at the time. I would like to see that. But I'm not so sure we were. But I think that Macy is kind of like, because in reality, they're not going to even though Cheyenne is like, very outspoken and on the right side of history and cares about a lot of this stuff, they're not going to give it to her because they don't want it coming from a black woman. Full stop. They want Cheyenne to talk about black issues. They don't want Cheyenne to be the one that's talking about these these other political issues like abortion and gun control because people will be like, that's just a black girl talking about. Like, people are racist and it's fucked up and I'm sure MTV is playing into that. So they pick Macy. Uh, I will say Macy and Taylor describing themselves as proud gun owners is like, what does that mean? I'm sorry. What the fuck does it mean to be a proud gun owner? What are you proud about? What What are you proud about? I'm not. I mean, yeah, I'm like pretty anti-gun. I think we should get rid of most of the guns. Um <laughs> Cousin Julius' husband, Ryan, actually has like a really great uh, plan on what he thinks it should be, which is, I can't think of it off the top of my head. I apologize, Ryan, but he 
and he is a hunter like he hunts a lot he's a hunter he's a fisher he is a outdoors man and he has this thing of like you should be able to have a shotgun for hunting in a certain amount of bullets and that's it and you should have to like account for your bullets like he he has this plan that i think is so great and that's really the only like gun control plan i've ever thought could work um sorry that i'm not like able to repeat it here because i don't remember but in general i'm pretty anti-gun i don't think anybody should have handguns um look i know that a lot of my listeners even the liberal ones have guns whatever like we don't all you know like it's fine we don't agree on everything i personally would not want a gun but like i grew up in a house with guns my dad like ryan is a hunter a fisherman my dad is an outdoors man if you don't know i'm sure i've talked about that but like my dad's a very serious fisher not as much now because he's like gotten older and he's had some hard stuff and his boat isn't really working anymore <laughs> for like three seasons in a row. I feel really bad for him. But like he, I, he's fishing this weekend and my whole life my dad fished like every weekend from a- early April till the end of November. Like that my dad fishes and he also hunted. Uh, he was more of a bow hunter. He actually used to like <laughs> we had like a tree stand in our yard and then fake deer that he would like do for practice and everybody would like pull up to our house and they'd be like there's deer in your backyard but they were fake um my dad is like a fisher hunter guy too so we had guns in the house growing but they were like in a safe and also my dad didn't go hunting near like fishing is his thing not as much as hunting and so like they never really came out of the safe i i mean i guess my dad still has them i have no idea where that safe is because i maybe at the shore I I don't know. I have, I don't know where the safe that because he had a big like a tall safe and I'm not sure if that even exists anymore like in his possession. So I have no idea where those guns are. Uh, but so we I grew up in a house with guns, but they like weren't part of our life whatsoever. My mom is very anti-gun. She is not into guns. I'm not into guns. I understand people have guns and that is what it is. Right. Like I, I get it. Um. I, I, I'm sorry, I just don't understand calling yourself a proud gun owner. I have a friend that was actually going through like kind of a serious uh, like stalker situation with a neighbor. She had a neighbor that had really serious mental illness, a long history of harassing people, and he like set his eyes on her. It was extremely scary. Her husband had recently taken a job out of town, so he was living somewhere else for four days a week. There are kids in the house. She was fucking scared and she lives in a state in which you can get guns. She has a gun. It's very locked up. I'm still like, you should get rid of that. Uh, but she was like taking courses to learn how to use it. And I was like, just be careful because you're going to be with people who are like, they like want to kill people. And she was like, yeah, okay. And then she was like, oh my God, I went to this class and it was like, they were evangelical about these guns like they were trying to convince me I needed to carry it all times and she's like I know I don't want to um people there are people I swear to god that are obsessed with the idea of killing somebody in self-defense it's fucking weird it's like in Colorado the stand your ground laws are called the make my day laws after that fucking Clint Eastwood line like I would never want to kill someone in self-defense I mean like you if you have to do it to defend yourself you have to do it But, like, the trauma that would come from having to do that 
is so fucking bad. Like the idea it's it's just so crazy to me that people feel that way. And when I think of like proud gun owners, I think of that, which I don't think Macy and Taylor are. But I don't know. I just don't understand this idea that like owning a gun is something to be proud of. It just is. You either own a gun or you don't, right? Like we live in America. There are guns here. I wouldn't pretend otherwise. So I just don't really get this idea of like proud ownership of guns. We're proud gun owners. It's like, what bullshit propaganda have you fallen into that you believe that you need to say that? Your guns are never getting taken away in America. Never, ever, ever. It's never happening. You do not need to be proud that you own guns. Anyway, that's my proud gunner ownership rant. Uh, Macy and Taylor (laughs) are the most unnatural people. Taylor goes, maybe there's like an organization you could contact to find out how to talk about this. (laughs) And Macy's like, yeah, I'm Googling it right now. And there's like this thing called moms demand action for sensible gun they call they had a word for it um moms demand action for gun sense in america which i looked it up they look like a good org their parent company is every town which is a good org so i'm all for them getting featured like i said i know a lot of people are like politics on this show but i'm like fuck yeah let's highlight a good gun control group like fuck yeah let's do that especially coming from macy who is a proud gun owner like that's good if people that are like macy are watching and then they go look up mom's demand action and feel inspired by them like that's awesome but they meet with this woman who basically is you know talking about gun violence in America and in Tennessee. They talk about Macy's experience with it, and she talks about how to talk to the kids. Uh, She's also really like, your guns need to be locked up. Your guns need to be locked up in one place. Your ammo needs to be locked up in another place, which I definitely agree with. And I know everybody's like, but what about if intruders come? Yeah, here's the thing. Like, Statistics show it's significantly more likely for your child to accidentally kill themselves than for somebody to break in your home and you kill them with your gun. That's just a reality. Oh, everybody should listen. Okay. There is an episode of This American Life. I need, I'm going to find the exact episode because it is so, to me, like it just sums up everything. Okay. It's episode 498 and it's called The Gun Thing You're Not Supposed to Do. It's Act Two. Definitely, you should listen to this. It's basically about this woman who grew up in like a very pro gun household. Her parents, like, were people that did lessons on like gun safety and how to handle guns and how to teach your kids how to talk about guns. And they were like convinced that their kids were perfect, right? And that they had these kids that knew to respect the guns and not to play with them because of the way they had trained them. And it turns out, and she admits it eventually as an adult, that when she was in her teen year, she was practicing for a play and picked up a gun in which she thought was empty. She was a teen, like she was, you know, 14 at this time. So old enough that you would, that people would assume that they definitely wouldn't do this, but kids are still kids. And she was about to, like, lift it up to her head to practice, like, shooting herself in the head for the scene in the play. And right before she does, the gun goes off and fires into the floor. So there was a bullet in the fucking gun. 
And if that hadn't happened and she put that fucking gun to her head and pulled the trigger, she would have killed herself. She never confessed it to her parents, except after Trump gets elected, she ends up doing it. Her parents have a fucking freak out. They take all the guns out of the house. They, like, have an existential crisis, like, everything that we thought was wrong. But I definitely really suggest listening to it. It's interesting because her brother is, like, an adult gun nut, and he's like, yeah, you're being stupid, like, whatever. (laughs) And her parents are, like, everything that they thought was right isn't right. And it's just, it's really interesting. And in my opinion, really shows that children, it doesn't matter how much you teach children about guns, the risk is too high. And your guns need to be locked and your ammo needs to be locked separately. Because kids are impulsive by nature. Their frontal frontal lobes are not developed. And you can give them all of the training in the world and they're still children. Okay, you should listen to that. It's really... It's really, really interesting. This American Life episode 498. Remember when This American Life was like the best thing? (laughs) In a pre-podcast world, This American Life was my entire identity, essentially. I had the first 500 episodes downloaded on my little iPod. Well, not little. That thing was fucking massive. On my iPod Classic that had 256 gigabytes. And I would just walk around and listen to those episodes all of the time. Oh, so good. Okay. Uh, We get a scene of them talking to the kids and they're like, so do y'all have drills at school? And Jade says, we have bad guy drills, fire drills, and tornado drills. Oh, they talk about the bad guy drills. They're really sad. I noticed that Maverick looks a lot like Benny. Um, But basically, they're just like, you know, they're bad people. What do we do if people have guns in their house and your friend pulls a gun out? I thought it was a good conversation. I mean, good, right? Like, let's show people talking to their kids about guns on TV, especially people who live in the Deep South. That's good. I'm all for it. And that's kind of it for Macy this week. I don't know. You guys know I cannot fucking stand Macy as, like, a character on Teen Mom. So if they're just going to use Macy as a conduit to talk about political issues, like, okay. (laughs) Honestly, I would much rather see that than them talking about their fucking baseball schedule. Like, give me Macy doing these fake fucking talks with Moms Demand Action every week over them talking about how stressful it is to have three kids play sports. That I don't give a fuck about. This stuff may actually make the tiniest little bit of difference. And if it helps one single person be like, wow, maybe I should change the way I lock up my guns, then I'm all for it, you know? Okay, let's talk about Caitlin, who... okay. I I think I currently my internship for school this year, I'm sure I've talked about it, is at an agency that does advocacy for adoptees. So not adoptive parents, not advocacy for adoption, but by adoptees. It's run by two incredible social workers who were both adopted, who do work basically exclusively with kids who are adopted. Uh, one was adopted at birth. The other one was adopted through the foster system. And they just, they have great, incredible stories and knowledge. And I, I just really, I love them. And I am in a space where I am like very anti-private adoption at this point. Um, I just, it's just such an unregulated industry. We let people buy babies, basically, in the private adoption industry. And I'm not saying, like, adoption should be illegal. I'm not, like, anti-adoption. Uh, but I have 
definitely come away or I've definitely like changed my views on adoption a lot in the last couple of years. Um, Especially when I learned that like all of our private adoption laws are based on work that a woman named Georgia Tan did who kidnapped and murdered babies. Uh, You should look up, you should read The Baby Thief, Baby Thief about Georgia Tan. It's really, it's really horrific. And she truly shaped modern adoption as we know it in America. There are still victims of hers alive. (laughs) So I, 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 I don't know. I think that my opinion on what I watched might be a little more extreme than other people's. And I do recognize that that's because of like the work that I'm doing. And I'm not sure in five years when I'm like a little more removed from like reading about adoptee stuff 16 hours a week, um, I might not feel this way. (laughs) Like I am deep in the trenches of adoptee advocacy right now, like deep, deep, deep in the trenches. And so... I it's just I don't know it I've seen a lot of people like go off on Caitlin and Tyler for this episode and I I get the very strong reaction to it Uh, I think that I I may be coming from a more forgiving place than a lot of people and I I'm not saying that like in an I'm better way it's just that like I just think it's like currently what I'm reading and like thinking about all of the time so it just might be different but basically in this episode it starts with Kate telling Tyler that she picked up Nova from school and Nova got into the van and she's like, I'm sad. And they're like, Kate's like, oh, why are you sad? And she started sobbing, talking about missing Carly and that she was separated from Carly. And it. they get Nova to sit down and talk to them about it on camera. And Nova just like is like, well, imagine getting split up from your sister or your brother. <gasps> Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And look, I know people are going to be like, Nova only said that because Caitlin and Tyler talked to her about it. Blah, blah, blah. No, I mean, Nova's what, seven? Like, she's old enough to understand that she has a sister. She has little sisters that she loves very much and she spends all of her time with. I think she's like finally starting to understand like, huh. I have another one of these, but I don't know her at all. And I don't even really remember meeting her because I've only met her like three times in my life and I haven't seen her. And, you know, she's probably remembers like one of their meetings, if that. So I I think that this is real. I think that this is organic. I think that this is something that you deal with if you have a child that knows that they have or had another sibling. I think that this probably happens if they had an older sibling that passed. I think that this is very natural and like developmentally appropriate for Nova to be like putting together like what my family is and what my family looks like and what it means for me to have sisters and for Carly to be my sister but not live here. Um, They talk about how Caitlin and Tyler got pregnant as teens and Nova's like, you shouldn't have done that. You should have asked God to get you pregnant later. It was like a cute little scene. Um, But they do decide that they want to reach out to Brenda and Teresa to have another visit. So they have Dawn come over. And I'm like, can we get rid of this woman? Why are we still giving her screen time? Especially when a little later in the episode, we'll get there. 
Tyler goes the fuck off about the adoption. And I'm like, so why are you still inviting Dawn into your home? Dawn is the one that did this. They do flash back to that 16 pregnant episode where Dawn says, your adoption is going to look exactly the way that you want it to look like. (laughs) It's so fucked up. Um, Dawn says that they should reach out, you know, and ask about Carly. And she also says, like, you know, Carly and Nova will have a relationship one day. And I'm like, will they? I mean, maybe. Maybe. But saying it with such certainty, like, they may not. I really cannot stand. There's at least a post a week on Reddit that's like, do you think Carly will want anything to do with Caitlin and Tyler when she's an adult? And there are always so many comments that are like, no, she's going to block them. They're fucking trash. She'll never want anything to do with them. And it's like, maybe... But maybe not. People are like, Brandon and Teresa have given her a loving, incredible home. That is her real family. She'll never want to talk to Kayla and Tyler again. And it's like, um, <laughs> we don't know that. I just want to remind everybody that we don't know anything about Brandon, Teresa, or Carly. We don't know shit about them. Carly could be the happiest child in the world and have absolutely no trauma for her adoption, absolutely no desire to ever talk to Kaylin and Tyler or their children again for the rest of her life. That is possible. It's also possible that Brandon and Teresa are fucking nightmares behind closed doors. Or it's possible that they're great, but Carly still has a bunch of trauma related to her adoption and really feels a connection with her biological family. Or it's possible that she has trauma but doesn't feel a connection with her biological parents and only wants to talk to her sisters. Or maybe she only wants to talk to her parents and not her sisters. There are a million options that we have no idea and cannot even begin to guess. Because we don't know Carly or Brandon or Teresa. We don't know anything about them we know that brandon and Teresa are nice on camera and that's it and i i just want people to remember that and we do know statistically that adopted children usually like do better and want to have relationships with their biological family which is why we have moved to open adoptions and why we have open adoptions for that exact reason because that's what studies tell us uh, so Caitlin texts uh, Teresa and is like, can we maybe do a visit this summer? Caitlin and or Teresa basically says, like, we're too busy. And Caitlin is like, well, yeah, I get it. We've only been doing it every other year anyway. I also think that this is like May or June, and it probably is a little late, like, to plan a visit. Maybe Carly doesn't want to have visits anymore, right? And she's protecting. Teresa's like nicely letting them down by saying like we're too busy I don't know because we don't know Harley uh Tyler starts to go off and I know people hate it when Tyler does this on camera because Brandon and Teresa have asked them not to talk about Carly on camera fine I maybe we can all agree that it wouldn't it shouldn't happen on Tyler or on Tyler on camera but I personally think Tyler's feelings are totally valid they're real and they're understandable Tyler is like, we didn't know what the fuck we were doing when we gave Carly away. And I know there are people are like, so what's the alternative? They were going to keep Carly. No, the alternative is that they would have found a family that wanted to have an actual open adoption. Brandon and Teresa wanted a closed adoption. So they agreed to a semi open adoption so that they could get this baby. Right? Like that. They they didn't want that type of relationship. And Bethany Christian Services, 
<laughs> who made how much money on this fucking adoption? Tens of thousands of dollars. Is that is that right? They made tens of thousands of dollars on this adoption. That's what I'm pretty sure they did. Bethany Christian Services should have been like, they're not a match for you. They don't want the type of relationship that you want to have. We're only going to show you families that are very committed to having an open relationship with the, the biological family. Bethany Christian Services fucked them over. Full stop, fucked them over. They should have never been matched with Brandon and Teresa because they were very clear in their 16 pregnant episode that they wanted to have a pretty open relationship with their child. And Bethany Christian Services should have been like, Brandon and Teresa, I just don't think this is really going to work because we know that they want a very limited connection. But that's not what Bethany Christian Services does. They sell babies, basically. And Tyler, I think, makes some really great points. First, he says, you know, find me a child or a story where there's too much involvement from the birth family, and that's a bad thing. And I think Tyler's right here. It's very rare. Open adoptions benefit children. They do. And I'm sure there are ones where the biological family is really toxic and the adoptive family understandably has to cut it off and the child is better for it. I'm not saying that doesn't exist the way that Tyler is saying that. But I think for the most part, Tyler is right. Uh, And then he's like, I don't want people to bring up that fucking contract we signed ever again. He said, I was 16 and I didn't understand half the words on there. And I'm like, finally, now we fucking said it. Finally, I cannot believe anybody would watch this scene and have a negative reaction to it. I mean, I guess as far as like talking about Carly on camera, I can agree with. But Tyler is saying what a lot of us have been saying for years, that Caitlin and Tyler did not understand what they were signing up for. They were extremely vulnerable. They didn't have any adults in their corner. They were minors. They were poor. How many times have I said that? I think that Kate, that Caitlin and Tyler chose Brandon and Teresa because they had a nice house and Brandon wore a suit to work. I really think that that is why they were not aware enough to like have the consideration of like these people don't actually want the same thing as me because Dawn is in their ear being like, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Also, I don't know if anybody even explained to them that that contract isn't legally binding because we don't have legally binding open adoptions in the United States. (laughs) I'm not sure anybody told them that. Like, it's just it's so fucked up when people bring up that stupid fucking contract that they signed that gives Brandon and Teresa all of the power anyway, which legally Brandon and Teresa have all of the power. I don't think Caitlin and Tyler knew that or understood what they were signing. When Tyler says he didn't understand half the words in that contract, I believe him. And Tyler was like, I fucking dare someone to bring up that fucking contract again and use that against me. And I was like, yes, Tyler, go off. Look, like I said, I get that people didn't like this. I thought they were just saying the truth. They weren't saying anything negative about Brandon and Teresa. They were saying that they went into an agreement that they did not understand when they were 16 years old and that they will be paying for it the rest of their lives. What what is wrong with saying that? How does that hurt Carly? It <sighs> Okay. In the second episode, uh, Kate finds out she has Bell's palsy. And I guess I didn't know Bell's palsy could be solved with antibiotics. My old boss in Florida got it and he said it was from stress. And I don't remember how he fixed it. 
But I do remember us talking about Bell's palsy a lot for like one month of time. Uh, it's good Caitlin went and got it checked out, but okay. Trigger warning, we're about to talk about sexual assault, childhood sexual assault. It'll probably be just a couple minutes. Skip ahead if you don't want to hear it. Um, Caitlin is doing a talking head at the end, and she's saying, you know, when I start to feel sick, I'm just like a hypochondriac. I go to the worst case scenario. And she's like, I just have a lot of anxiety about being sick because I don't think I like to be out of control, like when it comes to my body. And the producer, this this is truly out of nowhere. Like I, in my opinion, I can't emphasize enough how out of nowhere this is. I was so not expecting it. I started to cry watching this because it was just so out of left field compared to like what the rest of the episode was. And I thought we were just doing one of our normal Kate mental health check-ins. But the producer goes, well, when was the first time you felt out of control from your body? And Kate goes, I don't know if I want to talk about this. She whispers it. I don't know if I want to talk about this. I've never told anybody this. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. And then continues to do like this little whisper voice. And she says, when I was little, something happened to me and I was not in control. Somebody else was. So I think that's where it stemmed from. (laughs) I have like tears in my eyes right now thinking about it. I don't look, I'm not surprised by this in any way, shape or form. I always kind of assumed it to be true just from what we know of Caitlin's life and how unprotected she was from her, from the world, right? By her mother. I, I'm not surprised it happened, but like there was just something so heartbreaking to me because I feel like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why it was like, it took me so off guard. I think just because like the rest of the episode was not about this at all. And I don't, think she was meaning to talk about it. And obviously, like, she didn't have to share. She could have just been like, oh, I don't know. Like, it's just been something that's going on for a long time. But I thought it was really brave of her to share it. Um, To hear a person say out loud, like, somebody else was in control of my body. That really makes me upset. (laughs) I have tears coming out of my eyes right now. I'm going to move on from talking about this. But I, I don't know. I... I thought it was really powerful. I really felt for Kate in that moment. And I was really proud of her for sharing. Really proud of her for sharing. <sighs> All right. Let's talk about Barr and Ashley. Um, I mean, not that much happens. They're moving to Nevada in an apartment that's sight unseen. Oh, somebody reached out to me and was like, it's really hard to get into nursing school in California. So a lot of people leave the safer nursing school. Thank you for explaining. Totally makes sense. Uh, I don't really understand why she would rent an apartment sight unseen, like just fly to Vegas for a day. Like, I don't like she has the resources to do that. It so I'm not really sure. Uh, they tell Holly. Holly's totally fine with it. They tell T and Ashley was like really weirdly cold. I think they must have already talked about this and MTV must be making them recreate this scene because Ashley goes, we're moving out of state in two weeks. And T's like, well, where's Holly going? And Ashley's like, with us, with her family. And she's like, well, what about, like, the rest of her support system? And she's like, I don't know. They'll figure it out. (laughs) Like, Jesus Christ, Ashley. (laughs) 
Oh, gosh. Uh, they talk about how bar moving is actually probably good for him to get out of the area. And it's not like he has, like, a big support network anyway in California. Ashley's like, we're his support network. So wherever we go, like, he has support, which I think is probably very true. Uh, I did notice she let Barr play in the movers, which to me, I was like, you're letting Barr take on responsibility like that? I was kind of surprised. <laughs> They drive to Nevada and they get to their new place and Ashley is upset by it. It's like, it's a small apartment. It looks clean. It looks fine. But they've been living in houses for most of their lives, right? Barr is being like Mr. Brightside. He's like, look, I grew up in the projects. Like, this is a nice apartment. I'm totally happy here. This is fine. We'll be fine. Ashley's like, I know I'm trying not to be a Debbie like, you think I'm being a Debbie Downer, but I just really don't like this apartment. I don't like being in an apartment in general. I can hear the people walking around upstairs. It's really small. And she keeps saying it's humbling, it's humbling, it's humbling. And I'm like, I mean, I guess, like, why, why didn't you just fly to, like, to Nevada, wherever they, I don't know exactly where in Nevada they are. Why didn't you just, like, fly there and find a house to rent if that was your priority? Like, why did this all have to happen so quickly? I don't get it. Like, I, I don't understand why. They're acting like they moved to Europe on, a, like, on a two-week notice. You know, like, it's not like she didn't know she was applying for these schools. Once she got in, she should have flown to Nevada, rented a house, I would assume that houses in Nevada are cheaper than in California where they were living. So I just, I feel confused by the situation. I'm guessing it has to do with them being evicted. Um, if they really were evicted, they probably couldn't get a house. I wonder if this is like a shadyish apartment building that let them pay like a year's rent up front or something. Because I'm like, they're rich. Like, just break the lease. I, I think there's more to this story than we know. But I think she probably couldn't get a better apartment or a better house, which is why she keeps saying it's humbling, it's humbling, it's humbling. Because, like, why? I'm like, why does it have to be humbling? Like, what's going on exactly? I don't know. Barr is being Mr. Positive, And I think Ashley's just going through it. Also, Ashley's probably early in her pregnancy here, would be my guess, because this is sometime over the summer, right? And she, as of now, is, I mean, she was pregnant at the family reunion, and that was, what, in August? I think the beginning of September. So she probably is either early pregnant, doesn't know it, and just, like, going through it hormonally, or has just found out that she's pregnant and not totally sure what she wants to do and just really stress and upset about life. That makes sense to me. Um, She did, okay, she posted something on Instagram, a comment on Instagram, where someone was like, are you going to talk about the baby? And she's like, I'm just not ready to process it yet. And a lot of people online took that as, her saying that she lost the baby. Hold on. I want to find the exact wording. Okay. The comment was, I'm confused. Didn't they say she was pregnant? And Ashley says, I know you guys are wondering, but I'm not in a space to disclose that. I'm still processing. Heart emoji. Thank you for being concerned. A lot of people on Reddit took that as meaning that she was like announcing that she had a miscarriage. I don't necessarily think that's true. 
somebody was like, well, she said disclose, but she already has disclosed. And I'm like, I'm not sure she's being that thoughtful in her wording with this. I personally, like, maybe she did lose the baby. I'm not saying that's not possible. But I she did post a video of herself that I think was recent in which she looks pregnant, um, like, compared to how nor- she normally looks. And I think she just meant that, like, she doesn't want to talk about the baby publicly yet because she knows things with Bar are a mess. She knows she's going to get a lot of shit for it. And she just doesn't want to deal with it. That's my guess. I guess we'll see, right? Like, with Kale, we'll either have a baby or we won't. But I would assume in these scenes she's newly pregnant and probably flipped about that, which makes total sense. Imagine, like, you get into a school, you realize like you're going to move, you get this apartment that you don't like that much. Oh, and you're also pregnant and you're not totally sure like how you feel about it. That's tough. Why did Ashley take out her IUD and not get a new one? Ashley, girly, don't have another baby with him. Although your babies are really cute and smart and Holly pretending, or maybe she really was reading. I wouldn't be surprised if Holly could read, but I do love when a baby or toddler like holds a book and pretends to read. That's the funniest thing in the world to me. It's so fucking cute. I once babysat for this family and the two-year-old was like so, so, so smart. She convinced me that she knew how to read because she had me like before bed she had picked a book and she's like let's read this one but she had it memorized and like so she read read the whole thing to me and I was like holy shit this girl's like two and a half and she can read and her parents got home and I was like yo your baby can read and they're like no she can't (laughs) I like told them what happened and they're like no she had that book memorized but like she literally was like yeah I can read (laughs) was so funny. She was so funny. That little girl, she lived in Boca and it was Jewish and like everybody in her neighborhood was Jewish. Like there were not Christmas lights in their their neighborhood and we were watching something on like Nick Jr. that had commercials and there was a girl, it was a it was around Christmas and there was a girl in an elf costume like checking out. Like it was an elf that was checking people out like Toys R Us or whatever. And she's like, "What is that?" And I was like, oh, how do you describe an elf to a kid that has no concept of Christmas? And so we like talked about it. And then later that night when we were brushing our teeth, she just turns to me and goes, why doesn't Santa come here? (laughs) I was like, oh, I was like, because we do Hanukkah because she knew I was Jewish too. I was like, because we do Hanukkah. Isn't Hanukkah great? And she was like, "Mm, yeah, but like, what about Santa? Like she was like, no, it's not fucking great. Like I want Santa to come here. And I was like, "Mm, maybe you should just like talk to your parents about that. And I I told them and we were all laughing after the fact. And but it was just I'll never look me dead in the eye and was like, why doesn't Santa come here? (laughs) And I do know that that can also be very sad because Santa's kind of fucked up. And there are a lot of kids who do believe in Santa Claus and that Santa doesn't come to their home. That's fucked up. But it was funny. Like this this family was very wealthy. There, this girl was not missing Santa in her life. Like as far as I mean, the house, the house they moved into, they built a house. And when we went from their rental to their built house, ooh, that house was big. Like they're not she's not missing anything. You know, like Hanukkah is good for her. But it was just so funny. That girl was when I was like, but we do Hanukkah. The look that she gave me, she was like three at this point, was like, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> Uh, okay. Um, Cheyenne. Okay. 
the funny thing is in the first episode, they basically find out their house is being pushed back past the wedding, past Ryder starting school. They live like an hour away from the house and the school that they signed her up for because they were supposed to be in this new house is by the new house. And so it would be an hour each way to get her from school, which is like, it's crazy. That's that is so that's not possible for most people. So they decide that they are going to have Corey. Basically, they're going to switch schedules with Corey for like a month, a month and a half until they can get in the house because Corey lives by the new house and he's going to have her on the weekdays and they're going to have him on the weekends, have her on the weekends. And I'm like, oh, my God, these two parent co-parents so well. I'm so happy for them. It's so nice. Then in the second episode, they're driving Ryder and Ryder goes, Daddy and I are going to Atlanta because he's doing a movie. And Cheyenne's like, huh? And Ryder goes, he booked my tickets already. <laughs> Cheyenne's like, when? And I, I don't know, because I think you're going to be in school when daddy goes to Atlanta. And she goes, yeah, he told my te- he said he'll tell my teachers it's fine. <laughs> Cheyenne is understandably pretty upset by this. She's like, what the fuck? She's like, I hate co-parenting. Or she's like, I love co-parenting. I love co-parenting. I love co-parenting. And Ryder's like, I heard that. And then kind of laugh. Um, but they're like, yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> so they have Corey over and they're like, uh, what the fuck, dude? Like, we thought that when are you going? First of all, what movie is Corey filming? I don't know. But they're like, um, when are you going to Atlanta? And he's like, September 15th through the end of October, some dates. And they're like, so the exact dates that you're supposed to be watching Ryder? And he's like, well, yeah, sorry, I like forgot about that. And the episode ends without a conclusion. And I guess she could go over there with Taylor. But Taylor has two little babies, including one with like a heart defect, like with complex medical issues. I'm not saying like, I'm sure Taylor could handle it, like getting her to and from school and watching Ryder. She has been with Ryder almost Ryder's entire life. Like, it's not that I think that Taylor can't handle it, but she just had a baby like Mila's what two like that's a lot for Taylor to take on um I yeah I'm a little confused I was like understandable to why Cheyenne was pissed also she's like I don't want Ryder getting taken out of school in like her first month of kindergarten to go to Atlanta like what are you talking about she was also like um also our wedding is the last weekend in September and you need to be there which I definitely believe because they're very close he's part of their family Ryder really wants him there she's like we want you and Taylor there and he's like well no I'm definitely going to be there I want to you know go to that party and I assume he was there I think I saw pictures of him there but the whole thing is very weird because it doesn't seem like they come to a conclusion. And it really made me kind of second guess Corey, who I've always thought was a very good dad. I was like, why is Cheyenne not hearing about this from Corey? Corey's like, oh, yeah, I like forgot to mention it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Whatever. Um. Okay. So Leah goes on vacation with Jalen and his family and tells her friend that she wants a baby and to get married. Thank God Jalen showed his true colors before any of that could happen. That's all I have to say about that. But really, like, I have three notes for them. I've never seen her friend. Leah's extension looks so bad. Leah's open to marriage now and kids, which she's surprised about. And her friend is like, well, do you want to get married first and then have a kid or have a kid and get married? And Leah's like, oh, well, no, I definitely want to, like, have the baby first so I can look good at my wedding. And I was like, what? Because <laughs> in her mind, I guess she's like, I'm going to work out the whole pregnancy 
and then I'll like get really snatched after I have the baby. And I'm like, what is she talking about? <laughs> wouldn't it be the like, I'm not saying Leah won't look good after she has babies, but wouldn't you want to have the baby after the wedding? If that like if you're worried about your body, wouldn't you want to do that after another pregnancy then or like before another pregnancy? <laughs> Leah logic. <laughs> okay. Uh, oh my God. I feel like we saw so many people, but like not that much happened. Um, okay. So Brie is in her new apartment. She doesn't have any furniture yet. I don't really understand like why she moved into this place before the furniture was there. Like she has a home with furniture. Why wouldn't she just wait an extra week to furnish the apartment? I don't really know, but she's there and she's happy and the girls are happy and everybody looks happy. So mazel tov to them. Jade, her ring is so ugly. I cannot, that ring is so fucking ugly. But Chloe is going to pre-K and Jade is like freaking out. But I'm like, hasn't Chloe been in daycare her whole life? I don't know. I'm not a parent. Like, I understand being sad about like the passage of time. But she's like, I don't know how she's going to do. She's like acting so nervous about the whole thing in a way that I found very confusing. Her and Sean get into a huge fight in the car about his driving, which is actually a huge trigger to me because my dad is an asshole driver and my parents used to like get into huge fights about it all of the time as I like sat in the back seat like <laughs> as my parents were like screaming at each other over my dad's driving and it was really scary and bad and so I was a little triggered by that but Jade does apologize for it later basically just being like it just it really scared me I had anxiety I apologize Jade's not really giving me much this season I'm gonna be honest Jade's not really giving me much all right Let's close it with Amber, who had a truly shocking episode. So James has moved to California so she can go back into the house. And Gary was like, you know what? Like, I'm let me help you get back into the house. Like, you don't have to go over there alone. We're here for you. Uh, They talk about like the last time they all saw James and how everybody was crying. Like, I feel bad for Leah, for sure. I feel bad for Amber. But once again, I do think it's crazy that they're acting like he doesn't have any family in California. Like that, that's crazy to me. And that Amber will never be seeing him. Amber has her friend come over and she's like, you know, I just got to get used to the fact that I'll be traveling a lot, that I'll be spending a lot of money I didn't have to spend, and that I'll be paying back child support for when I didn't give him child support because we agreed that the house was child support. I was surprised about that, by the way, like that the court gave him that. But I I don't know. I like... I don't know if Amber just had a bad lawyer or what, or the judge just really hated her, but like she really got fucked in a way that I don't, I don't want to say like unfairly fucked, but she got kind of fucked. I don't think so much on the custody thing, but having to pay that back child support is crazy to me because she was, he was living for free. Like that's child support, like living all expenses free in a home is supporting your child, but I don't know. I, also, though, she makes so much fucking money. I guess it's not. If that was only like $1,000 a month for her mortgage because she lives in a cheap place and utilities are maybe 1500 and she really should be paying three to $4,000 a month, then she should be paying three to $4,000 a month. That's how it works. Okay. So they go to the house. Oh, my God. First of all, they pull up. The whole fucking thing is overgrown. It looks like shit. Doesn't Amber live in an HOA? Because I remember her like having HOA fines and shit. I can't believe the HOA let her house look like that. It looks terrible. It looks so bad. Amber hasn't been there since the fight, I think. You can see she's still stuff hanging up in the closet, by the way. They go into the house. 
Oh my God. It smells like piss, they say, which, by the way, I don't think Amber's ever kept a clean house. I remember that house with her and Matt when the dogs would piss all over the floor and they, like, wouldn't clean it up. Like, I'm not so sure Amber keeps a clean house, but I was genuinely shocked by the appearance of this house. I saw some people say, well, maybe Andrew really fucked it up before he left, like, as a fuck you to Amber, which I guess is possible, but... To me, this looked like sustained wear and tear, if you will. There was a blanket covered in piss that was just left on the couch. There is shit all over the floor. Not like actual shit, but like stains, pee, stuff all over the floor. There's filth, actual filth all over the walls. Leah's there and she's like, I would have called CPS if I saw this. That <laughs> I don't know if I disagree with her. Um, everything. The bathtub has never been cleaned. It's disgusting. Everybody is in shock. Gary's being really nice. He's like, look, I'll get people in here. I'll clean this up for you. I'm a little worried at how dependent Amber's becoming on Gary. I, I don't think it's a really sustainable relationship, but I, fine. I mean, I like I hope it's helping her. I just I'm definitely worried about that. Um, but It is disgusting. I was shocked by it. Oh, my God. Just like the fact that he didn't do any yard work or have anybody come in to do yard work, that he could leave the house like that, that James was living like that. It's just that he had this huge free house and he wouldn't pick up. Also, I just I don't understand how people live in filth. That's so fucking disgusting to me. A dirty house makes me want to die. Like, I, I cannot do it. So that. Ugh, ugh, ugh. I really I actually genuinely felt for Amber there. Oh, and I also wanted to point out Leah was like repeatedly saying before they went in the house, like to Amber, like, it's okay if this is hard for you. I know you're gonna feel a lot of emotions. It's okay to feel emotions. I guess Leah and Amber really have come a long way. Because like that's she's being really nice. Like she's being really understanding in a way that I'm not so sure she would have been before. That was crazy. I'm really looking forward to what that house looks like going forward. Is Amber moving in? Is she going to sell it? What's going on with that? All right. That's it for me. I hope everybody has a good week. Patreon.com slash Liz Explains to hear my thoughts on Selena Gomez next week. And everybody else, I'll talk to you again soon. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Solid Listen Network. Find me on Instagram at feathers underscore pod.